Hey, what's going on? Welcome to another episode. Love God, Love Sex podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Heath. Yo, what's good, everybody? It's Jamie. Today we're doing something different. Yes, different, different. This is called Talking Up with Heath and Jay, still part of Love God, Love Sex podcast. We have been struggling with the podcast to bring out our natural cadence, our natural conversation bit. So hopefully you can sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode for all of its its grit, its glamour, and some of its humor. Do women's issues get more attention than men's issues? So I, I want to hear what you have to say about this right now. Because I don't I, mean you go back and forth a lot. Personally, I feel like they do. Um, I mean, historically, I feel like because women are looked at as more emotional creatures, we have to tend to their emotions more. And so I feel like um, in the media... And I mean, even socially at home and social circles or whatever, I will always hear women's issues get talked about more or be treated as they're more important. You know what I mean? And and men Mm. aren't really supposed to. As as much as we talk about how toxic that is, that, you know, we're not supposed to be forcing this kind of emotional stoicism on, on men. I still hear that a lot. You know what I mean? Like you start trying to talk about how you feel you're being asked to be open and honest about your thoughts and feelings. And then it's like, when you say something, it's. Oh, and. Mm. It's funny to me because I think we, there is a forum to talk about women's issues, but I don't think there's a resolution to women's issues. I don't believe that people take women's issues seriously. And by that, I mean, the larger male audience. I think when certain issues come up with women, especially if the historical or even more modern interpretations of historical issues, I'm not saying all those are perfect or right or accurate. I'm just saying again, modern interpretations of historical issues, then, you know, I see men doing what I sometimes observe certain pockets of white people doing when black people's issues come up, right? We have a historical issue. This has been going on for decades, in some cases, centuries. And then here come the claims of reverse racism. Here comes the claims of, well, you want rights, but I know a black guy who robbed somebody last week. As if they're one instance of the black man robbing this person that they apparently know, allegedly know, is going to undo the need or should undo the need for longstanding human rights claims that have been going on for well over close to 400 years, whether we're talking about back to slavery, to Jim Crow, to modern predation from various systems, whether it's the housing system, the banking system, uh, or even uh, government agencies. Okay. And I see men then do the same thing to women, where when a woman brings out an accusation of sexual assault, they bring out an accusation of harassment, sexism, you know, they are not getting ahead or advancing the workplace because they told some man no, or in their own way, we buffed his advances. Now then it comes out of, well, I know a woman who, who, who she sexually harassed a guy at her job. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, immoral women, you know, immoral black people. Okay. We know those exist. What we're talking about is longstanding conversations about rights and access and equity that have been, again, plaguing people and plaguing our society for decades now. And once you bring it up, here come these, what I would call insufficient, non-valid rebuttals that don't have any weight or merit, I believe, and fly essentially nonsense in the face of, of good data. 
So that's my issue with the women's issues. Yes, I, I do believe there are formats for women's issues. And then some of the men's issues do seem to get a bit more complicated. Like which in ones? Well, I'll give you an example. They get a bit more complicated re- regarding form, not the issues themselves. So let me be clear on that. Where I believe that the men's issues come to light is, hey, we need to start getting men to emote more, connect more verbally with their spouses, their significant others, and with each other. Once men start doing that, people still, though, want the benefit of men when they're very decisive and stoic. So you can tell me a little bit about what your day, but not too much, especially if it's going to interfere with that benefit <laughs> or reward I get out of you when you're stoic. And what do I mean by that? Men who are stoic, men who have disciplined themselves, and they know how to feel their emotions, understand their emotions, but choose to do what they say, A, were obligated to do or committed to do, are men who deliver in society for their families, for their workplaces, and for the their people around them, their communities. When you start to hear those men crack up or start to unwind, and they're no longer being stoic, and they're crying, and they're talking about their traumas and the things they went through, people start to wonder, all right, is that dude going to be so messed up he's not going to take out the garbage in the morning? Mm. Or he's going to be the dude I can't count to get up in the morning to open the store or show up at the church early and open up the church doors, take out the garbage and get the pews clean for service? Is that the guy I I can't depend on to drive me where I got to go because I'm doing my DMV tomorrow and then next week I need him to pick me up because I'm getting my colonoscopy and I can't walk out of there unless someone's you know accompanying me? Is that guy going to be so emotionally involved and so emotionally torn that he can't provide for me? So I do think that is where things get complicated with men. And again, where it gets complicated is I think men also do it to, to each other. Do this kind of dance that sometimes we, we accuse women of. Okay, you want me to be you know, emotionally you know, give up myself. But when I do, you then call me a, you know, a bitch. You know, wh- what do you want here? But I think men, we do it to ourselves as well. Yeah. I mean, and I that's see where the complication comes. I was going to say, I see, the, I, I see the same complication with women because obviously you'll have some who are hyper feminist and be like, believe all women. And then you have some women who would be like, nah, y'all, I know chicks out here who lie. I've seen women do that. And I know a lot of scammers out here. So it's like, you know, on, on one hand, it may be easy and simple for certain people who identify, who can identify those issues and be like, yo, they need to be addressed. But obviously everybody doesn't think the same. So it's going to get complicated on both sides of the aisle. You know what I mean? And I don't know that focusing on the complication is, you know, to your point, something you like to say a lot, it's not solutions based. It's not solutions oriented. Mm -hmm. And I think, honestly, I feel like that's where the issue is with both sides. We have, too many instances of people wanting to come together and call stuff out, but they're really not one calling it out so that people can understand where they're coming from. I think a lot Mm -hmm. of times the call out is really to say, just to add fuel to the fire of talking negatively or bashing this group of people. I think that that's one issue. And then obviously the other issue is just not calling it out, but not coming with, some solutions. And I mean, obviously, you're not going to be able to solve every problem every time you sit down and talk about it. Um, you've heard me say this before, but I really feel like men and women go through the same thing just in different bodies. And it's like every issue that you as one mm-hmm. single person can have against the opposite sex 
they have the same thought perception idea of you. And so mm. if, if we kind of look at each other as these ob- objective beings, right. Who at some point in their life, I'm going to hurt somebody. I'm going to love somebody. All the good that's in me is in you. All the bad that's in you is in me. So I should, I can never really take a moral high ground against somebody. That's what I truly believe. And so when I see to your point, men who, who, don't want to hear about women's issues because, you know, we've heard about this for so long and y'all are still in the same place or women who don't want to hear, they only want to hear enough or just a little bit of men's issues. I say the same thing. It's like, if you have a gripe, that person also has a gripe. And and, we, and it's really about, yo, how can we be here for each other and make it circular so that your gripe, you feel like your gripes are being addressed, listened to and taken care of. And I feel the same way. But yo, it's it's hard when you have people who don't want to listen. I believe it's hard too because of where people start in their their arguments. So, when you say, "Well, you know, we're 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 experiencing the same things in different bodies," most there are arguments that people that are saying, "No, that's not the case." Historically, women have been oppressed, men have been empowered in most of the institutions. Again, sticking within the United States context because globally is a whole nother conversation but in the united states context you know men have led men uh the the laws have benefited men obviously we know what the constitution said about who can vote right men who who are landowners so wealthy men so there has been hierarchies established baked into our constitutional republic so how can you say that women weren't you know disadvantaged again within our systems and within our institutions you have that level. Then you have another level. I just saw this and a bunch of my homies just sent this where women go to the mechanic and it's just all kinds of fees racked up. Like, uh, we had to uh, fix the gas that was going through the ignition key. So we had to take out your ignition port. Your water, get into you needed some gas. water fluid. Yeah, exactly. Fluid. Uh, yeah, exactly. Now, do you have beaver protection? What's that? Beaver protection. Beavers just come and eat tires. They eat the tire, the rubber. They're just attracted to the rubber. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I don't think that would fall. See, that's that's, that's fake, fake news right there. You need that beaver protection on your tires. You know, I think women get that, you know, run around. So you know, what becomes a $45 oil change has now become an $800 bill. And right. so why do I have to bring my significant other or John from accounting who just happens to be my friend at work, who is a very nice guy. We're not dating and you know, bring John down to the mechanic and be like, Oh, it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. $45 oil change. As soon as you start that initial key, he looks at you like, man, you want me to call the better business bureau or do you just going to give us the $45? And then all of a sudden, right. The presence of a man forces that other man to back down. And some women really talk about having a problem with that. Why can't my presence be enough to honor my humanity. Why do I need a co-signer? I, I mean, I, men don't go through that. So how can you say we're experiencing the same thing? Yeah, no, I think from, they do. I, I think they, bodies. I think they do, and I think that might be something that women are not necessarily aware of. Yo, the same salesman would do that to a guy who looks like he doesn't know what he's there for, who looks indecisive, who looks like a beta. He would make the same approach. He would have the same approach with that guy, and that's the thing. It's like. Even with what you talked about, right? How men have historically led and there are these hierarchies that are baked in. Who are they favoring? They're not favoring all men. They're favoring... Uh, so so that's the thing. It's yeah. like, there are, there are probably more men 
who can empathize and sympathize with more women about oppression than we would probably know because more of us have are not that smaller group of men that the hierarchy benefits. There are a lot of men who would probably say the same thing like, yo, I'm I'm not somebody who can take advantage of um, being sponsored to go to college as much as you can. The, these laws don't necessarily benefit me if I get divorced. You know what I'm saying? Like there are some people who make enough money because like you talked about, these systems favor them that they can easily pay their way out of these situations. I can't. So there are more men who can, who know that narrative of systemic oppression and can probably, like I said, empathize and sympathize with women. I think the issue is that when you get in front of certain men, to your point, who don't want to listen to or feel like it's not as important as where they stand in society. Like if I'm one of these, you know, white men who have a lot of money or who come from a a good pedigree and have a great background and I can take, you know, a certain amount of time off to go to college and trick off some years because I know my parents got it and then I can come back and get a job and whatever, whatever, like, I don't necessarily care about people who can't live my lifestyle. And and that's a small group of people who are in impacting all of these systems and policy and things like that. So there is a group of people who just don't want to listen to something like that. But I think there are more men than we probably even know. Because, I mean, your son, look at our TikTok. Like, there are a lot of dudes who comment, who are in our comment section championing for women so clearly Mm -hmm. there are men out there even yourself there are men out there who are advocating and not even not silently i'm talking about on the front lines with some of these women like yo no y'all deserve this we right there with y'all so it's not i just feel like there again we go through the same things it might not be the same oppression but there are men who have felt oppressed in the society not like women but or to the degree, maybe that some women have, but they know what it feels like to be oppressed. And that's what I'm saying is like, we don't need to go through if the oppression was the same. We don't need to go through. We felt it longer than you have. All I need to know is as a person, you felt this way. I felt this way. That's something that binds us. What can we do together to get through this? That's how I personally feel. Is that too utopian? I don't know. Yeah, just give you that 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 just keep keep just let, letting that that crowd just hit it. <laughs> I mean, uh, I you know I I I really do think that. Hold on, I don't know if you, you heard it. There we go. There you go. That's you. You got the clap. You got the clap. <laughs> <laughs> Make a clap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I do think men, especially right now, are in crisis. Young young boys are in crisis. We know that. Again, data, 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 data. And I agree with you that we could talk about that without ignoring women's issues. There needs to be, especially because I think an overhaul of how we approach some of these issues would be a fulfillment of that old adage, right? A rising tide lifts all boats. This is one case, one scenario that I think a couple of key critical factors uh, in our how we approach what we're doing now in society could help everyone. Where I believe 
we 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 do see a, a parting of ways is that I particularly have a problem with the arithmetic of oppression you just mentioned. Right. Well, my racism plus 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 my sexism plus my disability equates to and see 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 on the racism worksheet, I've 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 scored higher. Therefore, I'm more oppressed. I don't think it works like that. And I believe there's a lot of counter arguments coming from some of these men's rights groups that that work in that vein. Yes, men have an issue in the court system. Yes, men even have an, an issue in again. This is also very state specific too. This is where things get a little clouded. What works for uh, men's and young boys' lives in helping them get to a healthy, balanced well-being is, is different in Harlem, New York, than it would be in Youngstown, Ohio. Different than Des Moines, Iowa. Different than Truth and Consequences, New Mexico, Laughlin, Nevada. You know, uh, Seattle, Washington. You know, Oregon. Uh, certain spots in Oregon, Montpelier, and Vermont. Like you know, every little space is its own case studies, Dr. Regina Langley likes to say. And with that comes its own unique solutions. Some could be overarching and cross-cutting, but I think some of the specifics that really need to be addressed have to be addressed by the people in that community. The community has to own its voice and own its solutions. And getting to these wide, widespread scale solutions are going to be somewhat difficult because of the nuances that exist in these pockets of uh, communities where men need help and men want to grow and men want to do things for themselves, they're going to operationalize that a lot differently, as I'm sure it would be the same case for women. Uh, so we have to sometimes back down from the arithmetic of oppression. And I do feel that the men's rights groups perpetrate that a little bit. Some people would say the women's rights groups do that. Uh, you know, but, you know, again, that's, 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 that's my particular point, uh, POV on, on that. Do you think men are oppressed? Um, I would say in some ways, yeah, I definitely feel yeah, like I would that. agree with that. I mean, and, and not I mean, in the strict opposition to women, though, right? Because I would say black people are oppressed. I would say Asian men. I would say uh, Latino men are oppressed. I would say uh, men who are living with disabilities are through some form of of difficulty navigating society. Some people don't call that oppression, but there is definitely society not structured for a way for them that promotes equity and helping them get the resources that they need. So yeah, I, 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 I would say that. Do but let, let, let's 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 do a cross cutting question across race. Do you think all men are oppressed regardless of race? We're, we're, we're factoring the race now. We're going to filter white, black, Asian, Latino, everything in between. Do you yeah, think men it, are oppressed in this country for sure? Absolutely. Why do you say Absolutely. that? What, what are, give give me two reasons you think men are oppressed. I mean, I think there's only really one that matters, and it's 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 because every race of man in this in this country has a population that lives below below the poverty line, and I think anyone who is a part of the poverty class or the poor class would say they feel oppressed. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So you're bringing the class element into it, and, and this is what I mean mm. by when I say to your point about you know the rising tide that lifts all boats. It's not mm -hmm. the tide that's specific to your boat. It's one rising tide. So I think mm -hmm. not trying to segment and, and dissect and part ways and, and find these departures from this one through line, which is oppression. Everybody who knows what it feels like to be oppressed should be fighting oppression. 
Everybody who knows what it feels like to be oppressed should be fighting racial oppression. Everybody knows what it, who knows what it feels like to be oppressed should be fighting sexist oppression. But mm. we, this is the, the problem I think in this country is sometimes we're trying to segment the oppression. And it's like, it really has to be one tide that r- r- rises all boats. And so when I think about the question you just asked, right? I know some really poor white people. And I mean, like they would, the things that I've heard my friends and, and people from my family or, you know, origins, neighborhoods talk about, I've heard them and their families express the same thing. Like mm-hmm. when it was hard for them to be able to buy food just to take care of their family or to get their car fixed so that they can get to work and provide for their family or to be able to get to school. You know what I mean? It's like, yo, people know what it's like to be poor and disenfranchised and broke and oppressed in this country. Mm. I think we, we, mm. we may be trying to, you know, to really define the nuance of oppression and, and try to apply that to everybody's situation or circumstances. If they feel like it's oppression, I can't tell them any different. To me, it might not be oppression. To you, it might not be oppression, but to them, that's what it feels like. So I can't uh, really deny that. I can't minimize how they feel. Uh, 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 I, Yo, I get you, is, son. I, no, but I, no, no, what you're you. doing is what is what some, maybe I would say some conservative pundits would argue is the problem with American intellectual life right now, which is if what I say is happening to me, then it's happening to me, regardless of any fact that exists, whether it's biological, whether it's natural, whether it's seen in nature, whether it's, uh, you know, established by a consensus of scientists who do the same experiments and get the same results. And so it's been verified, right? Nothing's ever really proven in science, verified. It's been verified. And you are now saying, no, I feel different. And if, if, if that person feels different, then I have to honor that. That's what the conservatives are saying is a problem with one of the main arguments that they're saying is the problem with American intellectual life. What they sometimes think is the constant crawl of liberalism that is just slowly reaching its tentacles into the minds of the youth across the United States. Well, that's happening, I, but I don't I don't feel like it denies anybody oppression. Well, here's the thing. I've always said this to people. I'm big a part of any kind of liberating movement. I and I'm willing to listen to anyone's claims about liberation and oppression, where it falls down for me is with white supremacists. Because when you listen to the, the the greater traditions of the black power movement, of the civil rights movement, of the women's movement, third wave, first aid, second, you know, second wave feminism, when you listen to some of uh, the great orators and activists within um, you know, stopping anti-Asian hate, and not just talking about what's happened recently, but even going back decades, uh, Latino liberation, uh, Latino women talking about their liberation, in the best of the traditions. Now, every tradition has jerks in it. That's just the way the bell curve works. That has jerks in it. But the best of their traditions, the cluster, the majority of their traditions are people who say fighting for my rights is also connecting me and connecting you to a fight for human rights so that they saw what they're working on as a resolution for themselves as a step towards human rights for everyone else. And many of those people did cross-cutting and uh, coalitions in order to do that. That was the whole thing in, you know, Black Messiah, you know, bringing poor people of all kinds together. That was what King was doing before he got assassinated. The Poor People's Campaign, bringing poor people of all racial groups and cultural groups together to what you're saying. Poverty is violence. Poverty is 
a norming factor that many people, regardless of race, can deal with. So if you're if you're poor and you are part of an oppressed class, very good argument. I, I felt I, I felt you made. When I listen to white supremacists, though, they're not connecting what they're trying to do to human rights. They're connecting it to a picture, a historical picture, to be accurate, of domination, control, and power. When you listen to white supremacists, they talk about leveraging that power, leveraging that domination, leveraging that control to take what they want, to destroy other groups, where you have you know, conversations like Richard Spencer saying, peaceful ethnic cleansing. Peaceful ethnic cleansing is about as possible as taking, going into the shower and saying, I'm going to go take a wetless a dry, shower. A, a dry shower. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go take a wetless shower. No wet. Just give me the shower. No wet, please. Hold the wet. It, it, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Ethnic cleansing comes with violence. There's nothing peaceful about nothing ethnic cleansing. Nothing peaceful about it, right. So you hear these, these, these white supremacists and some of these white males who are representing these movements saying this is what they're doing for their own liberation, but you got it right. It is for your own liberation. Right. You have no care, concern, or connection. I'll say it again. No care, concern, or connection for anyone outside of what you have defined in a very small box as your group. You have no care, concern for any, even the environment, the physical, your 3D reality, the earth that, that you are supposed to live in harmony with. You have no care or concern. It's your way, or I wouldn't even say the highway, it's your way or destruction. And frankly, this is where some of the arguments about oppression, especially when it comes from certain groups of white males coming from these particular groups. Again, I'm emphasizing that. Certain groups of white males coming from these particular groups where I just don't buy it. But And many of them are in poverty. Many of them are afflicted by poverty. Many, many of them are experiencing the violence of poverty. But you know they are willing to now commit violence in the face of that, in the wake of that, to support narratives that I don't believe support anyone, not even themselves, ultimately. Yeah, I mean, that's that's real. But like, that's the delineation. It's like you said, their fight for liberation has nothing to do, there's no dots connected to anyone else. So they, they really don't have a liberation movement. They have a white supremacy movement. That's it. Mm-hmm. That's it. It's, 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 That's the it's, longest. It's in the brand name, supremacy. Exactly. It's in the brand name. Yeah. Exactly. It's, it's, it's in the brand name. Like exactly. I want to show up for the white. Everyone get along. Movement. Oh no 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 no. Oh, but, but, your son, but but think about this though, because, and I know like I'm not, I'm not really trying to justify anyone's feelings, but almost to the same point that you talked about these white men from these particular groups. There are published authors, feminist authors who've talked about dismantling nuclear family. Now, I don't know how you could mm-hmm. do that and then say my movement is about everyone else being liberated or there's dots connected to a better world when that's your stance, that the nuclear family should be dismantled. I don't think someone saying that the nuclear family should be dismantled is the same equivalent of what domestic terrorists have been purporting for well over 100 years, 150 years. I mean, we're really dealing with groups that have been around for decades, over a century, who have a history of violence, destruction, rape, killing. They are literally domestic terrorists. And a feminist author writing a book about dismantling the nuclear family is in no way equivalent yeah, to no. the actions. I'm not drawing, I'm not drawing or that even, No. No, no, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm not saying that you were, but what I want to say is, 
that that idea, I don't know what that idea is. At first glance, hearing it, I don't know what it is. But if I had to ponder on it and come up with a, 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 a comment on it, it doesn't sound right to me. Why would you want to dismantle nuclear family? But I would have to, to, to know that more. Yeah. There are people like Anna Dworkin when she was alive who had some pretty stark views about women and women separating from men and they should have their own island you know something like their mascara i guess so that that kind of routine or picture mm-hmm. uh, some people would find that to be you know some people she got really accused of misandry you know uh and i'm sure there isn't misandry out there i'm not denying that it's like again when i say we're fighting for you know black rights or human rights for black people that doesn't mean you're not going to find an immoral black person in, in that group or right. someone to say to me, oh, well, I'm not saying black people are morally perfect. And when we talk about fighting for women's rights, I'm not saying that women are morally perfect. This idea that sometimes you have to perform well and be morally perfect in order for me to give you your rights is, is outrageous and outlandish, given the constitutional republic that we live in, given who pays the taxes. We know the tax structure is regressive, meaning you get a W-2, you're paying the bulk of the tax in all the ways in which society right now is going to turmoil trying to resolve some of these historical inequities. I, I just, I don't know. I, I just think sometimes the argument goes to feminists and we should critique them because no one's above a critique. No one's above a critique. So they should be critiqued. But what I see is a spotlight being placed on feminism, especially in the red pill community, when I believe there's lower hanging fruit with some of these quote unquote men's rights groups that are really masking as cover for domestic terrorists and people who have come from that tradition and trying to push ideas from that tradition into mainstream conversation in a way to lift it up and put it as the ideal of what we should be aspiring to in our schools, in our churches, and in our, our, our larger social life. And on that note, let's end. Thank you everyone for listening, for taking this journey with us, Jay and I doing something different, wanting to bring more of ourselves out, feeling like we've been struggling with bringing who our natural bend is and our natural conversation cadence out. So thank you for joining with us. Uh, we are available on TikTok, YouTube, uh, specifically at Love God Love Sex Pod, also available via email. Connect at Love God Love Sex Podcast.net. Thanks. This has been Talking Up with Heath and Jamie. Love God Love Sex Podcast. See you next time. Take care. Peace.